Is your work attire causing a style fever? The cure is clear, my friend. The Pinktastic Scrubs and Accessories from Biscare. Their collaboration with the National Breast Cancer Foundation isn't just a fashion statement, my friend. It's a prescription for change. A portion of each sale supports the National Breast Cancer Foundation. BizCare is thrilled to announce that they're sponsoring this episode of the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Visit liamcaswell.com forward slash bizcare to find your nearest stockist. Remember, the best things in life are worth talking about. Talk to your friends, family, patients and colleagues about breast cancer prevention today. Welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast where we seek to coach, educate, and inspire nurses globally to achieve their high-performance potential. Learn from influential clinicians having curious conversations to help you navigate your unique high-performance nursing career path. Join me, your host, Liam Caswell, nursepreneur, coach, and mentor, as we explore how you can create a balanced, high-performance nursing career. Let's do this. Hello, hello, you beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening. Today is another solo episode with just moi. And today I wanted to talk about an experience that I had recently in attending a Brene Brown workshop, a Dare to Lead Brene Brown workshop. For those of you that know me and have been following for a while, I do love a good Brene Brown quote. And I do love dropping it into the conversation. And I wanted to just kind of riff and have a chat this is not going to be perfect but it's it's hopefully going to be beneficial and it might inspire some of you to learn a bit more about Brene Brown's work because she truly is quite inspirational in the world of healthcare Uh, she's a social worker by background her work is just phenomenal in relation to building courageous leaders and looking at workplace culture and she just has some really awesome ways of telling the story and I guess that's something that I was drawn to with Brene is that she's she is a storyteller and she's actually an academic which she kind of has a bit of a giggle about because she's an academic who tells stories and you know it doesn't naturally kind of come to an academic usually because they're very data-driven qualitative quantitative but she is more of a qualitative researcher who looks at vulnerability shame and what it takes to be a courageous leader in in the world today and I guess for me I went to this workshop one because I've read her books so she has the gifts of imperfection she has braving in the wilderness she has dare to lead and oh my goodness she has another one that I can't remember off the top of my head but it will come to me and throughout all of those books the key theme has been about embracing vulnerability as a leader which I find fascinating And I think there's a huge gap there in healthcare around do our leaders embrace their vulnerability wholeheartedly and also looking at shame. And she's a shame researcher and it's quite a fascinating space. So I'm hoping that I can share some of that, my learnings with you today. I went there because I love her work, I love her books, but I also went there because for me, I want to become the best version of myself. Like we all do, but I really want to start taking action and, and learning, practicing what I preach and, and learning from the best people, learning from the people that have done the work. And for me, this was just so insightful. So it was a two-day workshop held here in Sydney. I, it was face-to-face with COVID restrictions, but 
it it was just for me to see 15 other people in a room from all different backgrounds, general lawyers, nurses, social workers, counsellors, therapists, just such a diverse group of individuals, but they were all facing the same issues. And, you know, I sometimes get caught up in this narrative of, oh my goodness, it's only me and I'm the only one in the world that's going through this, which is ridiculous. But, you know, that was, that's my inner saboteur, that's the inner self-talk that kind of happens in my head. And to sit there for two days and hear people that were going through the same thing in, in different areas was quite enlightening for me and gave me, a, it was quite grounding actually. And kind of gave me a bit of a shake to say, suck it up princess, get on with it. But also in talking to myself really kindly and compassionately, as Bonet would say, was like, yeah, we're all going through the same thing and we're here, we should be here to support each other. And that applies massively to nursing as well. So I've got my little Brené book here that I took all my notes in, which now make no sense to me, of course, because I can't read my own writing because I should have been a doctor. (laughs) But I'm going to be compassionate to myself. And, you know, some of the things that came up during the course for me was around having a couple of aha moments about what it really takes to be a leader. And I think going into a leadership role as a nurse unit manager, I, you know, from the day I graduated when I was 19, I was like, I'm going to be a unit manager one day and I'm going to be the best manager there is to be. And that wasn't a bad goal to have. But of course, I had no clue of what it actually entailed and how challenging it really is. So, you know, your nursing unit managers are, they're they're overwhelmed and there's a lot happening in that space that you really probably don't know about if you're working on the floor. And some things are good that you don't know. Some things, you know, you should probably know a bit more about. But as a manager, when I finally got to that point, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm ill-equipped to do, to do this job. That was after me completing a Master's of Healthcare Management. I felt like the the emotional, vulnerable, soft, courageous side of me where I had to deal with really highly complex issues and and manage people's expectations was one of the biggest challenges in that role. Now, could I do the role? Absolutely. I loved the role. I, I, I feel like I've, I've done it a couple of times now in different settings, and I feel like I give it 100%. But there was some inner self-work that I felt like I needed to do to be able to be the best leader that I could be. And also that comes down to whether or not you've got the people around you, the people around you to support you to be able to achieve that. And that is critical. That is something that I have noticed is having that psychologically safe team and and really solid workplace culture where vulnerability and shame is embraced or vulnerability and courage and, and, you know, acknowledgement of shame, not shaming, but acknowledgement of that shame blame culture and stomping it out is critical. But if you really stopped and thought about your workplace or workplaces you've been in as a nurse. I mean, would you say that that culture exists? Would you say that you have an open, safe, culturally safe place to work, whereby, you know, you're you're not criticized or blamed or shamed for being vulnerable and courageous and, and thinking outside the box? I would love to hear if you ha- if you do work in that environment because I want to come work with you. <laughs> but for me, you know, the realization was that's just not healthcare. That's everywhere. That's legal. It's IT. It's pharmacy. It really is rife throughout the industries. And I heard something this week actually, whereby I was talking to someone and they're telling me about how 
all of the industries of the future will be massively impacted by this issue called toxic workplaces. And I said to them, I said, well, I think that healthcare might already be experiencing that. I said, I think that that's something that we are and have been dealing with for the last 10, 15, 20 years, potentially. And it's a pandemic that plagues healthcare and nursing. And they were quite taken aback. They couldn't quite uh, realise that that's the situation that we have. Whereas some industries, it's just kind of coming to the forefront or it's just becoming a bit more visual. So when we think about what Brene teaches us and what she taught me, one of the first things she, she talks about is embracing vulnerability. And I wasn't really overly sure. Like, I thought I was quite vulnerable. I, I like to, I, I think I wear my heart on my sleeve. I think I'm quite open to new ideas. I feel like I am, you know, I really get to know people and I let people in pretty quickly, uh, which is maybe a good and a bad thing. What I realized in that process was that Bernays' definition of vulnerability focused on three key components, risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure. Risk, uncertainty, emotional exposure. So what she's saying is that, you know, as a leader, she feels like, based on her research, that you can't be a courageous leader without embracing vulnerability, without embracing risk, embracing uncertainty, and embracing emotional exposure. And that's actually really difficult when you stop and think about it and think about when you're in the workplace being open to being emotionally exposed. If you think of the people that you work with, how many of them do you think would be open to, you know, outwardly being visibly upset or being emotionally exposed in a meeting because of something they've said? It doesn't necessarily mean they need to be bawling their eyes out, but, you know, being able to be courageous, put yourself out there, take a risk, when you know that, well, when you don't know what's going to happen and yet you can maintain your emotional composure despite the fact that you might get ridiculed or somebody might say something that, you know, takes you on a different path. That's hard. I think anybody that says that that's easy would be, must be very well accomplished in their career or within themselves because I think that's a point of Brene's work is that we're all a journey, we're all a process. Vulnerability isn't a destination where you get a vulnerability certificate and all of a sudden you're a tick, you can put that on LinkedIn. You you get to a point where you're really, you know, you, you, you're continually, continually evolving with things like vulnerability and courage. So I find that really interesting as a first point. And she actually says that vulnerability is one of the key steps in, in embracing or being a daring leader. You know, she says that daring leaders are afraid. And I think that relates back to the fact that they know that they're taking risks. They know that they're emotionally exposed and they know that it's all uncertain, but they're okay with it because these things need to happen. And I guess in my experience, sometimes I've worked in places whereby there is that lack of ability to take risk within the leadership and maybe they they choose not to. And that's fine. There are times when you can and you can't afford to embrace risk. But also there are times where you really need to just run into it and, and, you know, grab it by the horns and and get on with it. So I guess she's just trying to balance it out there and saying that leaders are afraid. Doing leaders are afraid and it's something that leaders need to embrace. And she actually says, embrace the suck. Like, I love that. 
because for me, I get caught up in this narrative of this internal narrative of, oh my goodness, this is hard. Like, this is challenging. Why me? Like, why did I choose this career? It's so difficult. And we all have those internal stories. Uh, they might sound a little bit different. And Brene says, embrace the suck. Like, it is what it is. It's it's not really going to change. And you need to just accept that. You can change and you can evolve, but some things will just suck. And that's a reality. No sugarcoating it. She also talks about self-awareness and self-love. And saying that self-awareness and self-love matter. And you'll have noticed a few times on this podcast I've corrected myself. It is an ongoing process because I will naturally, like most people that I know will go, oh no, I'm not good at that. Or, you know, oh, I can't riff on a podcast because I'm just going to ramble. When in fact, you know, be kind to yourself, be self-compassionate and acknowledge that you've done a great job. So today, no matter what this sounds like, it's going out and hopefully you learn something from it. And I'm learning in the process of doing it that it doesn't have to be perfect for people to be able to engage with it and learn from it and, and take something away. She talks about who we are as who we lead. So, you know, really getting down to the nitty gritty of, of your internal self, who you are is how you lead. I find that really interesting because for me, in my opinion, if you haven't done the internal work and you don't really have a good understanding of who you are, are you leading authentically? Or are you going to come against all of these dramas and problems and challenges that this job throws at you when you're a nurse manager or an educator or a team leader or a director of nursing? If you don't know who you are at your core, then how authentic is your leadership? And how sustainable is it? Two good questions to ask yourself. And then I love this one. Courage is contagious. Just like COVID-19, I shouldn't joke about that, but you know, it is contagious in the sense that once it's rolled out or somebody actively embraces a courageous leadership and, and you know, is honest with people and authentic and vulnerable in their approach to their work, others follow suit. Yeah. Do you know, have you, you notice that if you come on shift and somebody gives you a really sloppy as bar handover and there's a new grad there or a student nurse, they're going to pick it up. It's contagious. Do you know, bad performance, good performance, all of it's contagious. Good leadership, bad leadership, daring leadership, courageous leadership. That is all something that we can kind of pass on to each other. So she says that we we have a critical mass uh, of staff that's required to um, actualize and drive change. So by embodying and embracing courageous leadership, embracing the suck and, and identifying who we are, we're then able to to lead and drive change and you know infect other people, for lack of a better word, but infect other people with courage, which I think is a beautiful sentiment. And what's really interesting in the leadership space that she talks about is this idea of armor. And I have to talk to you about this. I'm skipping through a couple of my pages here because she talks about daring leadership and that daring leadership is by definition she says a leader is anyone at any level who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and has the courage to develop that potential that's Brene's definition of a leader and interestingly on the day in the workshop we talked about the differences between leader and manager and if you pay attention to what most nursing 
senior leadership roles are, senior manager roles are. The, the, the word manager is in the title. And we had this kind of ongoing debate, and I've talked about this in the workplace as well with, with upcoming aspiring health leaders, is that managers and leaders are two very different things. Now, do you lead and manage within the same role? Of course. Do we call every nursing senior role a nursing unit manager? <laughs> yes. Have you come across any titles that include the word leader? Yeah, not so much. So I think it's important to acknowledge that there are differences. The best way to think about it is if you are a manager, you manage resources, you manage budget. Basically, you manage things that are not people. You, of course, do have to performance manage people at a point in time, and that is management. But there is still scope within that space to lead people and to, to lead by example. But the best way to think about it is that a leader leads people. So if something has a pulse, you lead it. If something doesn't have a pulse, you manage it until you get into the performance management space. I hope that makes sense. Let's talk about armored leadership and let's talk about putting on the armor because I just found this fascinating because I could see it in myself. And these courses for me are all about self-reflection and, and trying to change my practice. So Brene talks about this self-protection mode. She actually uses this great kind of visual where she talks about how her and her son watch a lot of Transformer movies. And of course, you know, in the true American style, Brene talks about how she's seen them all and in her very Texan accent. And she talks about seeing them all and how she's sitting there and she has an aha moment. And, you know, if you're like me, I'm, I'm waiting for these aha moments to really kick in when I'm sitting watching, you know, I'm Married at First Sight or something like that. But these moments where she just went, oh, my goodness, this is how my research kind of integrates into real life. And she had this vision of when, you know, when the, the Transformers go from being a human into a Transformer. Can you tell I haven't seen the show? When they go from being a human into a Transformer, that they start putting on these layers of armor. And it was a really awesome visual for me because I could see that when I'm in moments of stress, chaos, um, uncertainty, emotional exposure, risk, or when I'm maybe being a bit more courageous than I feel like I should be in a situ certain situation, that I'm starting to layer on the armor. And I've maybe got you know, a taller posture. Maybe I've got my guard up. So I've got this kind of emotional guard where I'm like, yeah, whatever you say to me is not going to get in because I'm protecting myself from this. Because I feel like you're about to throw something at me. Or, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that I need to have all the answers. So I've got that armor on. And Brene talks about being a knower and being right versus being a learner and getting it right. She talks about as an armored leader that I would then tap out of conversations, hard conversations, because I've got my armor up. I can't do it. We avoid that conflict naturally because we don't want to engage in it. But as a leader, I have to deal with it because if I don't address somebody's bad behavior or non-conformance to the values or I get really bad feedback about something that's happened in the workplace, I need to lean into that, be vulnerable with that individual, build trust and rapport and make sure that I've got the tools to be able to have the hard conversations. Interestingly, in Brené's research, she found that tapping out of hard conversations was the biggest 
deficit within leaders uh, globally. And I find that really interesting and, and I can definitely relate to that because I have had times where I know that I should have said something to someone in the moment, real time, and I haven't. And I kicked myself afterwards because I thought, well, why didn't I do that? Do you know, Brene luckily gives you a kind of get out of jail free card and says, well, you, you have that insight so you can learn to develop those skills moving forward. But yeah, it's, it's something that we all shy away from because of conflict. And we've got our self-protection guard up. Uh, the other thing that is deemed armoured leadership in Brene's research is around using shame and blame to manage ourselves and others. So, you know, blaming myself, shaming myself for not going to the gym today, or, you know, blaming others for the fact that I've gone home late, or these strategies that kind of come in almost unconsciously, subconsciously, that kind of creep up. We kind of just got to be really aware of them, especially as a leader, because we can't operate as a fully functioning, high-performing, courageous leader from that space where we're still in that self-protected, armoured mode. So, you know, Brene talks about leading ourselves and others from a place of empathy, accountability and learning. So seeing everything as an opportunity to grow and develop. She talks about armoured leadership being this situation where it's like, well, there's never enough staff. There's never enough money. Imagine you've got a manager that sits in the staff meeting and says, well, we don't have enough for this. We don't have enough for that. And you'll all just have to suck it up and get on with it. (laughs) Who's been there, done that, got the t-shirt? Oh my goodness, it's horrible. It's demoralizing. It is death by ward meeting and horrific leadership. So instead, she talks about, you know, committing to and modeling the whole narrative of abundance. Like we do have enough. We maybe just need to look at what we're doing and how we can do it better, be a bit more innovative. And there's always room for growth in healthcare. Our processes and systems are not concrete. They are not set in stone. We can definitely evolve them and draw from the lived experience and shared experience within the room to then develop something that's so much better that reduces people's time and effort. So we are enough and we have enough. The other thing Brene talked about was armoured leadership in terms of professing values. So, oh yeah, honour the values. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, respect, healing, yep, hospitality, mm-hmm, stewardship, yep. But actually practising them. Like, how do you practise your value? And and do you have a way as a leader to make sure that everybody understands what the values are so they can profess them, but then that they're integrated into the workplace. And I guess that's one of the challenges in healthcare is that bringing the values from that organizational strategic level and filtering them down really as a ward manager or an educator or a team leader, level two, senior nurse, it's your duty to then translate those values into something that means something to the staff locally and that's where staff engagement and and involvement in that process comes in really handy and is so important for for good engagement she talks about driving a fitting in culture so this is again self-protection so this is where you know we're trying to look like we're embracing everybody but we're not fully committed to it versus this belonging culture where you know diverse perspectives are are encouraged, but we proactively seek diverse, challenging perspectives, and we embrace them and we explore them rather than just shutting them down. No, we can't do that. We don't do that here. Yeah, that is not conducive to a high-performing culture. She talks about leading for compliance and control versus leading for commitment 
and shared purpose. So, you know, that shared distributed power model whereby we can foster growth within people, we can lead people by example and, and make leadership a consistent effort rather than I'm the boss and you need to do what I say. Empower people within the team to lead and to set example and to be part of the journey so that one, it's more sustainable, two, it becomes more contagious and three, you just have a better culture overall because you're empowering those with the skill set to do and make change within the workplace. There's a lot here, I'm sorry. She also talked about leading reactively. This was like one that went, oh, thanks. She just like hit me in the chest. As an assunder manager, it's so hard to try and preempt everything. But it is possible in certain circumstances. Most people will struggle to do that in such a role because there's so many things to just come up out of the blue. However, you can lead proactively and strategically. You can be strategic in your approach to certain things that you know will not vary that much and spend the time there wisely. And then those things that just creep up and you need to react to, then so be it. Resisting change versus accepting and embracing change. This one is just like, wow, because in healthcare, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the good old, well, this is how we do it here. And we're not really willing to change it or or they'll just say face and they'll say yeah that sounds like a great idea but then they'll go behind your back and say no we can't do that because uh liam's lost the plot and does he think we've got a million dollars so let's explore it open it up embrace the change and just try and and nut it out you know create an environment where you can talk it through you don't have to spend a dollar i'm just be open to talking it through and the best laugh is, is that everything in healthcare is changing day in, day out. Like, imagine if we were still doing what we did 100 years ago. Like, people would be dying left, right, and center. That's the hilarious thing in health, is that we're so anti-change. We've got this change fatigue that plagues the health workforce. But yet, we need to change all the time. Like, it just, it's out with our control. We need to go along with the change. And you know, be part of it. Don't just sit there and watch it happen. You know, don't just sit and watch it float down the river. Jump on the boat and be part of it. It will help you in your career. It will help the workplace and it will build culture. Getting stuck in and owned by failures, setbacks and disappointments. So this is the whole, you know, failures aren't talked about. Uh, people get stuck in past disappointments. Oh, well, we tried that once and it didn't work. So we're not open to trying anything ever again. <laughs> Versus owning the failures, yeah, learning from them and embedding the learnings in the workplace. And somebody shared this really awesome thing that I wish I had implemented um, and I will in any future role that I'm in was to you know, openly talk about what did we fail at this month? Like, what did we not achieve? Uh, do you know, remember fail. Everybody's kind of like, oh, that word, it hurts. But fail is first attempt in learning. Is the first attempt in trying something, do you know, Bill Gates failed multiple times to become what he is today. Jeff Bezos, the same. We need to embrace failure. Obviously, in healthcare, it can be problematic because failure can lead to catastrophic events. That's why we have M&M meetings, yeah? Um, mortality and morbidity meetings, where we go through a case and we work out what it is actually happened so that we can learn from that. So why not integrate that into your ward meetings as a standing agenda item? Love it. Absolutely love it without the shame and blame and then she talked about perceived leadership as being served by others so i found this really really interesting 
is that as a unit manager or as a leader, I'm being served by the people that work for me, which I've never thought like that ever. Versus, you know, I'm serving others. Like it's my job whilst I'm here to make your life better and to make your work life better and to make sure that you develop within your career and that you are taking action where you want to. Like my go-to line was like, what do you need me to help with and where do you want to be? Let me help you get there. And if your manager isn't saying that to you, you maybe need to find a new manager because those conversations are critical for building trust within the workforce, but also building rapport, being vulnerable, demonstrating that investment in others is critically important and making sure that we have this ongoing growth culture. Nothing is fixed. We continue to grow and develop and, and, and prosper and thrive within our careers in this unit. We don't need to just stagnate because Liam, the manager, can't be bothered to invest in me. Or I can't have a conversation with Liam because he goes into shaming or blaming or he puts his armor on. So it'll be really interesting for you guys, having gone through some of these armored leadership versus um, daring leadership, it'd be really interesting for you to translate this into your own practice and see what it is or what happens locally within your area around people that put their armor on. Do you know those defensive, and I'm not slating them, I am that person, I am and still continue to be that person, I'm taking away the armor, and Brene talks about this whole, you know, the armor's coming on, it's going up from my feet up to my chest and over my head, and once I've got that on, I'm in full self-protection mode, and no matter what you say, I'm going to have a response, I'm going to know how to deal with that, versus just like, oh, I have no armor on, this is scary, this sucks, I'm being vulnerable, I'm being courageous, this is going to be hard, but I'm here to listen and work through it with you. I think we would all agree that we would much prefer to have that leader in the workplace. So I think that this course for me, I mean, that is a snippet of what what I went through, and I'm going to do more of these just to really share my learnings with you so that if you can't get to one of these courses then you can get some of the content here i do strongly advise that you buy all of the books the dare to lead book especially if you're a leader it is just a sensational read but i want to share more with you as kind of a move over the next little while in these solo episodes so that you can really take something away and implement it into your practice and have those moments of have a Texan aha moment when you're sitting watching the Transformers or you're sitting in your next staff meeting and something vulnerable or something a bit, you know, left field gets thrown out onto the table. Put your observer lens on and really look and see what's happening and see how people respond and see where people go within that armoured versus daring leadership and see if you can see the layers of armour going on because it's pretty telling I think if a lot of people were aware of this kind of way of thinking and this concept, that they would stop and and make some significant changes to their leadership practice. Because as a leader, like we said earlier, it's about it's about seeing people, hearing people, and helping them thrive and grow within their careers. You can't do that when you're shaming, blaming, and you've got your wall up. Yeah, somebody's got to try and climb the wall to get in to be able to make some positive change or build rapport with you you're already on the back foot and life is going to be pretty hard as a, as a nurse, you know, manager, educator, leader. So it's something to consider. 
I want to leave you with this quote of Brene's, and it's one of her kind of primary go-to quotes. It's actually on the second page of this booklet. And I just think it just speaks volumes. So I'll leave you with this, and then we will chat soon, where I'll unpack more of uh, my learnings from the Dare to Lead workshop. But this quote actually is from Theodore Roosevelt, and it's Brene has kind of adapted this for her work because she felt like it really fitted well with what she kind of conveys. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails whilst daring greatly. Thank you so much for listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. I would love you to join my online community of high performance nurses. Join us on Facebook at Liam Caswell or check out my website at liamcaswell.com. Until next time, I have been your host, Liam Caswell, and I am truly grateful for the opportunity to help you build your high-performance nursing career. Be kind to yourself and stay forever curious.